0: This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief.
1: Hello and welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm your host, Drew Dixon. I'm the chief content nerd of Love Thy Nerd, and I'm joined as always with our chief executive nerd Chris Boltney. Hey Chris.
0: Hey not as always because I skipped last week.
1: Oh yeah that's right. You yeah, uh, haven't been on like two weeks. Later. Last
0: time or whenever this yeah. releases. As but
1: sometimes always. As
0: most of the times. Here I yeah.
1: am. Yeah 60% of the time. <laughs>
0: <times>. <laughs> that's right.
1: Um, <laughs> and we are joined with a very special guest and that's Michael Fox.
2: Hey thank you very much for having me gentlemen. It's uh it, it it is much appreciated.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh we're having you on the podcast because you made what was my personal favorite game that I played at Gen Con. I should say you co designed it with yeah, yeah. Rory O'Connor. Mm-hmm. But uh but yeah, tell us about holding on the troubled life of Billy Kerr.
2: Um okay, holding on The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr. It's a uh, new ones coming out uh this October. It's releasing at Essen, so like yeah, twenty 20- 5th of October, um, should be in stores across the States and Europe pretty much that same week or the, the week after. Uh, but it's a a very different take on, on a cooperative game. Uh, you are staff, you're the doctors, the nurses who work in a medical facility where you go into work one morning and you find that. This, uh, this gentleman's been rushed in. He had a, a heart attack on a flight from Sydney in Australia to uh, London in the UK. The flight was diverted. He was rushed to your hospital. And you know very, very little about him. Uh, so the objective over the course of uh, 10 linked scenarios that you work your way through is to uncover his story, to find out all of the, all of the secrets that he's holding uh, while also keeping him alive or keeping him going and it's it's been incredibly well received i'm I'm still kind of in shock every time I go to a convention and and people are coming up to me and and, and sitting and, and sitting down to play the game and i I love seeing the excitement on their faces because it's quite a bleak perspective idea for a game um yeah. As, and, and we discussed this, of course, on the uh, the, the Gen Con episode that you were very uh, kind enough to to let me and Rory come and talk on. It was it, it it's it's very strange, but I'm delighted that we're having this opportunity to be able to to tell a very different story in gaming.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating because I was telling you, like, I I think that there are a handful of games out there, like board games, that mm. are tapping into kind of like or um, have the potential to provoke some more unique emotional responses than has maybe perhaps been like case in the past. I mean, think of like this war of mine, maybe Mm -hmm. the board game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, really this is breaking new ground there. I don't think I've seen a a board game that, that, you know, delves into the concepts of death and dying. And, um, what does it look like to care for people Mm. who are dying? Um, in a like in a meaningful way beyond just like caring for their their physical well-being um yeah so we talked about this on the podcast before but i'd be curious to hear um for listeners who didn't catch that episode like what was the impetus for making a game on this subject
2: i mean from from a sort of like a high level point of view the the idea behind hub games the company that uh that i work for we we have this idea of creating games with heart. Games that it, it's not just pushing cubes around a board. It's not just throwing cards into the middle of a table. Um, there's there's a reason behind every every game that we make its existence. And if you sort of like then then boil that down a little bit more, uh, holding on came from discussions with with Rory about his you know his relationship with his parents. His uh, his father died. Uh, a few years ago so a lot of the the in-game elements uh, like the very sort of like mechanical elements of that uh, of, of holding on are kind of drawn from discussions i had with him like long nights where it's just you sat by the bed mm-hmm. with you know th- this person who is who is not long for this world um on the flip side of that his mother uh, is still alive but she's uh, currently suffering from uh, alzheimers and initially, the concept behind, like very, very, very early versions of the game, was trying to create a game where we were essentially simulating what Alzheimer's feels like for the person who, who's going through it. And and is there any way that we can sort of like stop these these memories decaying? Um, yeah. And I, I kept on putting together like like different concepts for games, but every every concept that I came came up with was like. It, it, it was very, very difficult. There was no real way to win. It was just, what is the best way <laughs> that we can lose? You right. <laughs> Which is a,
0: that's a lesson in and of itself, yeah. I think.
2: And, and I, I mean, I, I, I was saying to Drew, I believe still that there is something in there. I still think that there's like a kernel of an idea in there. Um, but I would, I would come home after you know, a, you know a hard day working in the games minds, and just putting these ideas together and I would just come home just just emotionally drained just wrecked because there's no there's it's wrong to say there's no positivity there, there is little positivity in there like it's it's staving off the inevitable but eventually we then sort of like through many and various iterations and tests sort of flipped things onto their head and talked more about the discovery and the development of memory instead of the destruction of it and from there sort of holding on it's it's nascent seeds were born and uh, and, and we progressed through blimey i think the version that everybody's going to be playing when it comes out in october i think is like the 52nd 53rd version <laughs> of it
0: well it's no small feat man like i'm I'm really excited to get my. I didn't get a chance to try it out, you know, because I was playing Twilight Imperium <laughs> all weekend.
2: But. That's an emotional experience in itself.
0: Yeah, that's a different kind of <laughs> emotional drain. Um, but I mean, this just hearing you talk it about too. it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Both, both times he was teaching it to new players, which is a whole, which is also more emotionally draining. I would imagine it's,
0: it's just because I want to ensure my victory, so I only play yeah. with people that have never played before. It's for the best. It's the easiest yeah. way. But dude, you know, I'm I'm super excited to get my hands on this. I mean, excited seems like a weird word to use because mm-hmm. it is something that's like you know a little more emotionally taxing or like there's some more investment there. But I think there is an excitement to like see where the medium of board games can go. It's like we're growing up, you know. Mm. And I, I mean, think the same thing is has happened with video games. Mm. Like that's what you know. We we have a lot of video game designers on here and. We've just seen over the past, you know, few years where that medium has gone and the kinds of games that can be made and the kinds of topics that can be dealt with. And I think board games are now like starting to to dive into that too, which is super exciting.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's the, um, the, a friend of mine texted me yesterday and they are in no way a board gamer. They, they know very little about tabletop stuff, mm-hmm. um, they have a passing awareness of it's it's a thing that Michael does. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And, and they messaged me sort of like saying, Tell me about tell me about this game that you're that you're working on. So I sent them like the, the the link to the board game geek page. And like ten minutes later, they sent me a message back and it was like, This this looks incredible. This looks so mm-hmm. so not what I expected you to be doing um now pete my friend who 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 sent me the message is a huge video gamer and he loves those experiences like uh like flower like gone home and Mm -hmm. he you know we we sort of like started talking about it like like could could holding like if 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 holding on could be board gaming's gone home i would be just freaked out it would be amazing (laughs) Um, yeah but it's like the, the as more and more people have experienced it so obviously the first time we showed it off was at uk games expo and then we had a lot of demos of Ed origins and then also now gen con now that more and more people are, are getting into it um people are and you're right it is a very weird word to describe it people are excited that this is a thing that's happening um mm-hmm. it's incredibly gratifying terrifying but gratifying <laughs> Yeah,
1: There were a couple of things that stuck out to me because I got to play through the whole thing at Gen Con mm. and you and Rory were nice enough to kind of jump in and like help us out and give us some tips and things as I was playing with just a random guy that happened to sit down to play with me. Uh, and A couple of things stuck out and one was that um, it's a really well made, it's not just like a gimmick mm-hmm. to me. you know. It's not just like oh hey this is about a guy that's dying and caring for him. And then the game itself is not that challenging or whatever. Like it's really challenging and um, just a well-made like cooperative game with lots of good good uh, player interaction and tension and dealing with stress. And you know the, the mechanics are great.
2: Dude, and then the second
1: thing that stuck out to me was like I ended up um, I ended up like kind of tearing up a little bit in front of this random dude I'd never met before mm. uh, and. I love that because I think, um, and I will admit like I'm an easier cry than most.
2: Uh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> come on. Part, but, uh, come on. It's okay. You can,
0: you can lean into it. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> this is a safe space, buddy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But um, I just love the idea of those kinds of things happening around a table. I think sometimes we go see like a really powerfully emotional film and like we, we, we've, Composed ourselves enough after it's over to not let anyone see that we're emotionally affected when we go home, mm-hmm. and we right. may talk to side you by know,
0: side in a movie theater, you know, or is in a table yeah. you're kind of across from each other.
1: Right. Yeah. And you might talk to your partner or a friend and be like, um, "I'm trying to think of an example. Um, what was the? Uh, oh gosh, never mind. I'm not going to say it because I can't think of it. The film about the guy who's." kids died in a fire and he started the fire. You know what I'm talking about? No idea. Manchester by the sea. Did y'all see that?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I
0: didn't, but now it's spoiled, so I won't be seeing it.
1: Yeah. Well, that happens in like the first (laughs) 15 minutes of the film. It's not that much of a spoiler, Yeah. but it's this like, like harrowing film about grief. And I had to like talk to my wife about it, but she can't watch films like that. Mm. Like it just, I mean, I get it as a mother. She, it's hard for, um, but I was trying to explain why it was so impactful to me. But, but there's a difference. Like I just love the idea of of having those types of experience. Maybe not, you know, the troubled life of Billy. Holding on to the troubled troubled life of Billy Kerr is not as harrowing as that. Uh, and at least in the first playthrough that I had, <laughs> first scenario, was, yeah, you had seen the other night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I night, so maybe maybe it gets there. But you know, just having to like let this other guy who i didn't really know um see me kind of tear up and i don't know it's really i don't think i'll forget that experience for a while
2: yeah i mean that's that's incredible i'm, I'm very like I'm, I'm very grateful and th- that you could say something so honest true i mean it's it, it is a game where uh, Okay, we we've always said you haven't played holding on properly until you've sworn at Billy twice and teared up at least once. So <laughs> you are a third of the way there already, which is great. Yeah. Um. But yeah. but it is a, you know it, it, it's going back to that games with heart thing. It it is a game that we created because we wanted to see was it possible to make something that would would carry the emotional impact of a film like Manchester by the Sea of, uh, you know, those books that you go back to again and again, even though you know that there's that bit two thirds of the way through where your heart is just going to break for the umpteenth time. You know, we, is it possible? I think we've done it. And and it's, it, I don't know how much of it was was entirely planned, but, you know, we have an incredibly talented team of people uh, at, uh, at hub games you know rory is is a freaking genius it must be said um <laughs> you know the the art that Bryn jones did that the uh even down to like the graphic design that winnie uh winnie sheck our in-house graphic designer did it all comes together um oh sorry i should also mention glenn patterson our delightful scriptwriter. um you know all of these people uh, and then me just sitting in the corner going, and then this will go here and buttons. And, you know, I, I, I just do the mechanics. That's my, that's my. Yeah. Um, but all of these people have come together to, to create something that I I honestly think is, is quite special. And I was terrified when the, when the hype train first started leaving the station, because I don't want people to think this is just, this is just a flash in the pan. I don't want people to think that, yeah, they're just making something to, you know, jerk you know jerk your tears is that the best way right Tear jerker. yeah well that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. um right but I, I i do want people to sort of like actually consider the everything that we did with the game mechanisms you know that there's right. a reason for everything um that exists in the game um and it's not all sad um obviously you know it deals with some pretty heavy subjects and it deals with some um some quite emotionally impactful stuff but there's also uh a lot of moments of of joy that we've written into the game um there's one bit that even now i've i mean i've i'm up in the four figures on the amount of times i've played through that i've played this game um it's 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 a huge amount of times that we've now played this um but there's one scenario that every time i play it it delights me no end when a certain thing mm. happens in it. Uh, mm. And I can't stop giggling like in Egypt because it's, it's <laughs> it, 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 we couldn't just have it be 10 scenarios of misery and sadness. No life is is like that. E- even in those dark right. dying days, there is still joy. There is still, still moments of happiness to be plucked from them.
1: That's uh, maybe a good time to ask you about uh, your life, you know, mm. We've, we always like to, we, I could talk about the trouble life of Billy Kerr all day um, because it, I'm really excited about it, but we do like to get personal on this podcast and ask about, you know, the background and experiences of our guests. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess I want to get into your personal life a little bit, <laughs> but uh, before <laughs> we do that. was a great way
0: to start a conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to know, like, you have you worked on some other games in the past? Anything in the past you've mentioned that, that. We might point our listeners
2: to him. yeah i mean i I've, I've worked on a few things um my partner and i had a small i mean boutique is a polite way of putting it like a like very very tiny indie little publication house uh, called sprocket games where we worked with actually some really lovely designers jason Katarski, scott Almers. um but from that we uh we did Essentially, a version of werewolf, which was more sort of like kid friendly, kid focused, called Fox and Chicken. Oh, cool. Called um, oh, Red Again. It was, it was lovely. Uh, and, and actually, say the name oh, sorry. Of that Fox one again. And, I'm sorry. Uh, say it was called Fox and Chicken. Uh, so the yeah. idea rather than it being werewolves going into a village and tearing the, the villagers apart, it was foxes <laughs> dressing up in chicken suits, sneaking into a hen house and then just kidnapping the chickens. Uh-huh. Um, but it actually got, very very well received and we had uh it, it was actually picked up by a couple of publishers in europe and and it got like proper proper published which was nice um, it's also the geekiest okay. nerdiest game that you will ever ever see there's there's <laughs> references upon references upon references in it um so that's probably what i'm i'm most known for um from like a, a gaming design point of view i've also worked in the industry for for a fair while now, whether on the peripheries doing like writing or podcasting and interviewing, um, through to working for a company in the states called Game Salute, I then got shifted over to their other division called Ship Naked. So, like working on game logistics and shipping yeah. and, and Kickstarter support stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been around a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier you had a podcast called The Little Metal Dog Show, mm-hmm. right? That. Uh, Kind of digs into talking on a deeper level, I guess, with with people in the board game. Yeah, right? yeah,
2: the stories behind the games. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of the episodes still flying around. I've got a hard drive still full of them somewhere, so I might re-upload them one day to some random hard drive somewhere. Um, <laughs> but it, it it was a it was a, a a thing as much for me as it was for for the people who were listening because I just wanted I. I wanted to hear people's stories. Um, the yeah. reason I started the podcast is because I love to know the, the whys and wherefores of, of, of why things are. Um, and whether Ooh. that's like, you know, spending an hour talking with a mathematician about the joys of probability or talking to somebody who's just put up their first game on Kickstarter and they're just really, really excited to tell their story about how, how it all came to be. Um, it, it was all as valid as each other in my in my head. And yeah, like nearly, yeah, about 120 episodes of that are flying out there in the ether somewhere.
1: So you said you want to hear about the whys and wherefores hmm. of things and people. Where does that come from? That desire?
2: Nosiness? Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, I think the polite way is to say natural inquisitiveness. Um uh-huh. I don't know. It it it's 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 strange. I've always been a bit of a it, it may not come across a lot of the way I I'm pretty quiet a lot of the time. Um despite the fact when I'm at conventions I I switch on the effusive switch a bit. Um, yeah. Cuz you, you, you kind of have to, you know, it's 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 part of the job. But I I, I just love hearing people's stories. I don't know. I, I, I was trying to think about what, what where this did come from, and I think a lot of it goes back to like wider familial stuff. Um, I was born in I was born in Ireland uh, or London, depending on who you talk to—my mum or my dad. Um, I assume. Well, I've <laughs> a story, They have they they. A different story? They they they, they both swear blind that like my dad swears I was born in Ireland. My mum swears I was born in London. I'm gonna say. That my mum is probably right because she was definitely there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it, fair. It weird, but yeah, uh, we moved to Ireland very, very soon after. Um, so it, the, the shortcut is basically yes, I'm, I'm, I'm super Irish, despite sounding like I work for the BBC. <laughs> um, and and I think we. That story is amazing. <laughs> that your parents argue about where you're That's born. definitely the first time I've ever heard that. It is. Yeah. Believe me, there is uh, a lot of weirdness in the, the Fox stroke Malloy um, background family. Uh, but we would, we would spend a lot of time back in Ireland. And I don't, you know, obviously okay, you folks are both in the States and you, have had this is gonna sound really weird. You you have had like television for an incredibly long time. You know, you've had 24 yeah. hour television for an incredibly long time. In Ireland we didn't have like television that started before midday until the late nineteen eighties, early nineteen nineties. Mm. Um so, so before that
1: it would just be fuzz. Yeah.
2: Literally it's the T V stations dead would not come on until two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And there was only two of them. So yeah. we would listen, like we would listen to. It kind of sounds nice. It's, it's, it's sure. era of like, it's kind of idyllic, yeah. Constant. It's yeah. kind of idyllic. We would listen to the radio. Um, I'd help out, you know, as a, as a young kid, help out around the farm, whatever. Um, but I would listen to my extended family just roaring at each other, you know, telling stories, whether they're happy, whether they're sad, to screaming at each other, screaming each other out. Um, and I would, I, I would always want to know more especially for my grandmother uh, on my mum's side um, she was an incredible storyteller um, she would tell you the same story 55 different ways on 55 different days and she <laughs> would she'd always get from A to B but the route would be circuitous as all hell uh, but I think I I got a lot of it from her um, I just love to sort of yeah. listen to to the weird <laughs> stuff that she would spout out <laughs>
0: I think that's really to be commended because I think that listening is a lost art uh, nowadays. I mean, maybe it's never been great, but I feel like just shutting up and listening to other people talk and tell stories can be really valuable, mm. especially in this you know very contentious kind of season that we're in or era or whatever if we would just sometimes stop and listen to other people's stories, it would maybe create some empathy or uh, appreciation of a different perspective, you know? Mm.
2: No, I agree. I mean, it it may sound weird. Obviously I, (laughs) this is me on your podcast just sort of like jabbering away like an idiot. It might sound like I never, ever stop talking. Um, but yeah, in real life I'm, this sounds weird in real life. Good lord! It's not like this is <laughs> like Hollywood or whatever. Um Yeah, most of the time I'm actually pretty, pretty introverted and yeah. pretty quiet. Um, I, I much prefer to do the listening. You know, ask ask somebody a question, prompt them to spin off into a, a you know a weird and wonderful tale, and then just just soak it up.
0: Well, we've given yeah. you full permission to jabber on this whole time. So <laughs> bless you for this. Yes, well. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm tired of Christmas stories. Yeah, Ugh.
0: they mostly suck, and they mostly involve Twilight Imperium.
1: <laughs> yeah, I post one of those again, um, was uh, what was your? You've talked a little bit about your upbringing, but you grew up in Ireland. And uh, what what was the culture of Ireland like in your upbringing? It's it's. Did you were were you guys religious? What was that?
2: Um, it's a bit weird. It we actually spent like half of the year would be spent in Ireland, half the year would be spent in the UK. Um. In, in in the UK, we get a a, a lot of holidays uh, in school, um, but yeah. I never spent any of those holidays in the UK. I you know we'd always come back over to Ireland to visit the family. Um, our family is is huge on both sides. My mum, uh, I think, had fifteen brothers and sisters. My dad had Ooh. seventeen brothers and sisters. Um, and that's oh, that's obviously got pared down over the years. Um, there's still a hell of a lot of them around, though. Um, so yeah. as an as an upbringing, it was kind of weird. Um, because I mean, hell, we're an Irish family. Of course, we're weird. It's it's just intrinsically in our in our <laughs> DNA. I think um, there was. I mean, you 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 asked about uh, sort of like religious upbringing stuff like that. Obviously, Ireland is a horrifically Catholic country. <laughs> um, to an almost insane degree, especially in the 80s. And as I was sort of...
1: Yeah, there's a lot of conflict then. Uh, well,
2: yeah, over, I mean, obviously, I, I currently live in Belfast, which was like pretty much the epicenter of the conflict uh, in Northern Ireland, uh. um, which began like in the late 60s following the uh, the civil rights marches. Hmm, I wonder where I learned that.
0: So I was actually, sorry, just a oh. side note. I was in Belfast a couple of years ago. Oh. We have some friends that live in Northern Ireland. And, um, they took us down to Belfast and, you know, we're driving down certain streets mm-hmm. and they would be kind of telling us like, oh yeah, you know, this side of the street is Protestant and this side of the streets Catholic, or like they would kind of point out different things. And it's just crazy. Like it kind of struck me in that moment of like, you know, cause here in, in the States at the time there was all this, you know, the Ferguson stuff was happening mm-hmm. and all the racial tension. And it's like. Man, as humans, we just draw the lines wherever we can find them. You know, yeah. like yeah. there, it's you know Protestant Catholic. Here, it's white or black, and it's just it was crazy to me. So, sorry, just a little
2: aside no, that you no, no, made me no, think no, of not that. At all. I mean, it's it, it, if we could just like you know we might as well stick on on, on Belfast for a second. I've only been here about uh, about fifteen months, and it is I'm still learning. Um, it's there are definitely like areas of the city that are very british and there are definitely areas of the city that are very irish and then that sort of like spans out into the the counties and and the rest of northern ireland um but it's actually this is going to sound really weird considering the place was essentially under civil war for nearly like 40 years um it's yeah. actually a pretty chill cool place most of the time there is a small minority on both sides who are very vociferous and very anti this or basically anti the right. other side but the vast yeah. majority of people don't really care anymore like they right. the, the the darkness of like the i am on this side of the religious fence versus i am on this side of the religious fence it seems to have kind of been almost bred out i guess it's it's mm. quite and it's quite good to see um you know it, it, there's always going to be those divisions there somewhere but there's so much more cross border stuff there's so much more stuff of just people who are willing to put their hands out and say well, there's no point in us killing each other let's just try and work together right
1: yeah i was going to ask if you had a sense of like what motivated that change but maybe it's just... I think it's just time. People got tired I think of-
2: it's just time. Yeah. You know, hundreds of people were killed over the course of the Troubles, and it's a very British thing to refer to it as the Troubles. It's like <laughs> a slight problem in the North. Um, right. But like, this was literally civil war. You know, this was yeah. two sides getting involved in guerrilla conflict, Um because one side decided that uh, the other couldn't have the equal amount of rights, and it just escalated and escalated and escalated. But um, it was a bit strange, sort of like see- seeing that from the outside. Um, my dad is actually from just from just south of Northern Ireland. He's, he's from Cavan, which is uh, just over the border into the Republic. Um, but we would spend most of our time in Galway, which is over on the west coast, and the 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 distance that we had from the north was I, I it, it it was enough to make it sort of like seem like a very different place a very far away place even though you could jump in a car and be there in like you know two hours right. um, so I was I was pretty much raised Catholic um but from a, a very early age I I turned into one of those annoying kids who sort of questions literally everything and yeah. when stuff started not making sense mm-hmm. like it was like okay yeah this is I, I'm probably, probably much done here um, but I don't know I remember every Sunday morning my mom would sort of like barrel into into my bedroom at like 9 o'clock in the morning going get up for mass you need to go to church mm-hmm. it's like I'm like fourteen, fifteen, and at that point, I'd been sort of um, working as like a, a, a DJ in a pub for a couple yeah. of years. <laughs> um, I started super young in like my mum and dad's pub, but then other places wanted to take me on and actually pay me money, which was crazy. If you're like fourteen, fifteen years right, old, right? Yeah. money to play music. What? Yeah, um, awesome. So yeah, fifteen-year-old with a hangover. <laughs> going, being shouted at, go to mass, go to mass. It's Living just my like, dream. No, no, I don't want to do this. So eventually, I feel like just you just reinforced in.
0: so many Irish stereotypes just with that sentence.
2: Oh, god, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially over here as well, because it's like, you know, our drinking age is well, it's legal drinking age is 18, uh, compared to like 21 for you folks in the states, but right, uh-huh. it's, it's like, well, he's 15. Uh, give him a pint; he'll be fine. Um, <laughs> and 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 yeah, it 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 kind of just it went away. I, I got into trouble a few times at school, um, arguing with with teachers. I, I was obviously went to a Catholic school, um, and I especially got into trouble with the religious education teachers because it was it was frowned upon to sort of like try and enter into any discussion. Um, yeah. And the kind of the the final straw was when they showed us the. And this is what happens when uh, when abortions happen. And it's like mm-hmm. they showed us a video. And I just sort of like stood up in the middle of it. So like, why are you showing us this? Are you just trying to like yeah. put the put, put literally the fear of God into us? Um, mm-hmm. and then 20 yeah. minutes later, I was uh, promptly kicked out of school for three days. So <laughs> that was fun.
3: Oh, really? For objecting to that video?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll um, well, teach him. It's only the I only got into trouble twice, like proper trouble twice when I was at school. One was for that, and one was for uh, getting a can of silly spring on the uh, silly string on the last day of school and spraying one of the teachers with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not Those are two for like, good like a day, IT you know, it's
2: in trouble. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. complete opposite, you know, dichotomy yeah. of trouble.
3: <laughs> Do you remember, like? Obviously, the abortion thing was an issue for you. But do you remember, like, a question that you brought up in class or something that stuck out to you? That that you know, something that didn't sit well with you about uh, the Catholic faith you'd been brought up in.
2: I, I think the main thing is it. The problem is the second word that you said there. The faith. Mm. It's like mm. I like proof of stuff. I like yeah. I like to know that a thing. Is is there for a reason? Like you know, and that's I, I like science. I am a big freaking science nerd. You know, I will sit down. I will read my pop science-y books, and I will leave. You know, I will I will learn about dumb things through podcasts and and, and wonderful things like that. But I can't believe that there is this all encompassing old man in the sky who who made everything with basically a few clicks of their fingers um mm-hmm. and from a very you know from once i i sort of like grew in confidence and was able to sort of start questioning such stuff um it's like, okay, how can you prove to me that, like, you know, how can you prove to me that there's it God? It, it's like the, the traditional thing that a teenager does. There's so much suffering and badness in the world. How yeah, could a yeah. just and loving God be able to really put their put their people through that? And, they and like, the answer would always be, well, you've got to have faith because at the end of the day, you know, you'll go to heaven and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. nah, mate, no. Just people are jerks. Just freaking... The only way we can get through this is just by being good to each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, then doing more research and things. And, hey, guess what? The Catholic Church is responsible for an awful lot of bad stuff over the course of the previous X amount of centuries. Um, Yeah, it it got vociferous. And then I just sort of like walked away from it. My mum still hates the fact that I don't go to mass. but it's not oh, like, really it's like I go to mass every Sunday now you I go and I pray for you it's just like mom you keep praying <laughs> away that is entirely fine um, yeah I'm good
0: I like your impression I'm of your mom you slip into that accent that's
2: perfect <laughs> <laughs> It's far too natural. It comes it comes and goes far too easily. I mean, th- this is my normal speaking voice, which is sort of like the halfway. It's nearly there. It's nearly to sort of like posh BBC accent, um, which yeah. I can switch on if I do require it, of course, once in a while. Um, but yeah, slipping at the Irish one, is it's far too simple, especially if I'm around family members. It very quickly goes back into um, like proper West Coast Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: you have more experience like I uh, remember watching some people play Dinosaur Tea Party at uh, Gen Con mm-hmm. and you're supposed to talk in an accent. Every time I try to talk in an accent, any kind of accent, it's just I can do like because I grew up in Texas, so I can do like the Texas draw kind of mm-hmm. thing. But any other accent, I can't, I can't do it. And I just sound stupid, but you're, you're Irish is, I mean, it's spot on, but you oh, have I, a lot I, of experience. I there, so.
2: So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's
1: like,
3: it's like I um, mean, you don't sound, it's funny thing is you don't sound Irish at all. Like when we're talking now,
2: like you said, you sound like, you know, BBC mm. type voice, but, uh, it's, it, it is weird. I mean, um, uh, Steph is from, is from California. And she mocks my any any time I attempt to do an American accent, because it is just it it anybody from Europe when they try and do an American accent, it's just an American accent. But then having lived there, I now realize that, you know, there is a New Hampshire accent. There is a Massachusetts accent. And like you've got like hundreds of different accents over there. But yeah, American media just sort of like puts it forward as hey, you've got well, actually you've got two uh you've got (laughs) generic american and then you've got cowboy Uh and maybe surfer once in a while
3: so did you um so you kind of said you were done with the church Mm. and your mom i assume sounds like she's pretty like she's pretty like she practices her faith pretty actively i guess
2: yeah she 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 still goes like i said she still goes to mass every um every week i still find it weird
3: yeah what about your dad
2: he okay. The moment he was able to get away with not going to church because his idiot older son decided to say no, he just <laughs> leant into it and just yeah. I mean their their relationship so was sort of like you, on the rocks anyway, but he just went. Oh, to so the not door. you,
3: but uh, another one of your another one of your brothers <laughs> quit going as well, and that was like his out. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. It was okay. it was so weird. It was like I, I said, look, I can't, mum. I, I I had a sit down conversation with her. I said, look, I I I don't believe in any of this stuff, and I I, I put it all out on the table. I said, I I can't bring myself to believe in this, like because she just thought I was doing it because uh, I didn't want to go to mass because I was lazy. Yeah, it's yeah. like no, it's these are the reasons. This is my problem, and blah blah blah. My dad will happily say that he, did, he didn't want to go to Mass because he was lazy. But because his son was not going to Mass, um, it was like, oh, well, I should probably stay at home and look after the boys now. Um, <laughs> uh, so I can slip into my dad's accent now. Um, okay. And it's like he took the excuse and, and just ran with it. And we, we've we talked about it um, actually relatively recently. He he was kind of of the same mind of, of me. Um, he he didn't really have much of a truck with religion. He, because I, I, he was also closest to Northern Ireland. He'd spent some time in, 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 in Belfast. So he'd seen some of the problems that, that, um, you know, religious issues can bring up. Right. Um, so much so that, you know, he, he, he left and, and left the country and, and moved over to London in the early seventies hmm. um, and, and left all that, as he would say, God, behind, behind, so uh it was yeah it's it was weird it's it's weird when you've got like one person who is who is bang into their into their religion and the other three people in the family me um uh, my father and my brother and we're just sort of like no nah, this is this is not for us but we just yeah to, to to keep her happy we just go along for the ride which was i don't know a bit crazy can only last so long, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually everything's going to snap and you're going to go, no, this is, we're lying to yeah. ourselves.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people probably just keep lying to their parents to, you know, I think that's a pretty common, like cultural thing uh, these days mm. It's like, oh, I'll just go and don't want to break my parents' hearts about this issue or whatever, but I think it's more honest and allows for. Pro, I don't know. I'd be curious. Like, is your relationship with your mom
2: good now? It's, it's okay. Um, we were never the closest family. Um, yeah. we certainly aren't now. Like, uh, my, my parents are split up. Uh, they returned mm. back to their, their sort of like native counties. Dad's back in cabin, am back in Galway. Uh, my brother now lives in, he's a couple of years younger than me. He lives in Manchester, uh, in the UK. um, and out of everybody i i'm the one who speaks to all three of them but my brother hasn't spoken to my mom for like nearly 15 years uh uh-huh. my father is it over that issue of of religion oh or... no 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 it's over a a whole plethora of familial extravaganzas <laughs> um gotcha yeah. We, the, the family permanently moved back over to Ireland uh, when I was 17. Um, so he was, he was 14 at the time. And he'd basically been, he, he he did not like the fact that he had to move to a brand new country, brand new start, slap bang in the middle of like, not not even like going to a brand new school, but not even going to a new school in their first year, but going into the like, you know, two or three years in. Uh, so he had so much he had to catch up on. You know, he mm-hmm. had to learn Gaelic. It was like that. It was incredibly hard on him, and he never really forgave her for it. Rough times. Families can't live with them. Can't execute them legally. <laughs> um. So, did uh,
3: did you like? I'm curious because I think that holding on, in particular, mm-hmm. obviously, is this game that feels very rooted in um it feels very rooted in a particular desire to bring something emotional and and humane i think Mm -hmm. to the people who play it um so are there beliefs in the world or in people or or things that motivate you if not in god
2: and and what would those be i i think i i have an inherent belief that the vast majority of people are good. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why, if if we sort of like root it back to my my love of people telling stories and telling me about themselves, because people are generally not going to tell you their worst sides. You know, they might tell you some of the dumb stuff they got up to, or, you know, oh, this is a weird adventure that I got up to, to sort of like ingratiate themselves with you. But the vast yeah. majority of people, when they when when you ask them to tell you to, to to tell you something about their lives, they'll tell you something that they hold dear, they'll tell you something that they hold precious, that that is is meaningful and good to them. And mm-hmm. I th- I think the yeah, the vast majority of people out there are are good. And and it's it's that sort of belief that keeps that keeps my brain sort of from exploding most of the time i yeah the world the world disappoints me on a regular basis Mm -hmm. you know just because (laughs) yeah a lot of of crap out there and it's if, if you did not think that there's an inherent goodness in in most people then what's the point of being around um and i'm just hoping that people will see stuff you know whether it's like you know just sitting down talking with me at a show or just having a beer with me at a pub or whatever or playing the games that we make and everything like that i hope that the if i can show that i've got a bit of inherent goodness in myself then it will also have Mm -hmm. that inherent goodness in others
3: yeah it's interesting to hear you say that because i kind of i wouldn't say grew up but my formative years as a, as a Christian, like the years I was being um, like discipled, I guess, if that makes sense in the faith that I, that I hold hmm. um, I was, it was kind of drilled into me that people are not inherently good. Yeah. Right. Like this idea of, I don't know if you've heard of like the doctrine of total depravity,
2: but um, <laughs> no, but that's now going to be the name of my new album. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the name of my band. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. So, so reformed theology there's these, you you've heard of the five points of Calvinism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of them. And you know what most, even like a lot of people who are not Calvinists would, would hold to that particular one, that particular doctrine, this idea of total depravity. And uh, I think like nowadays I've, like I've come out of that quite a bit. Not that I don't believe in the, like, I do think our world is really messed up like there's a lot of messed up stuff in our world. And I think a lot of it's because we're not very good to each other. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But I think that that doctrine is over, like is overstated a lot Mm -hmm. amongst a lot of Christians. Um, And, and because if you look at like the very beginning of the, of the Bible, for instance, it starts off with a story about how everybody bears the image of God. Mm -hmm. Like everybody does. And so that tells you something that like, there's, you're going to be surprised by people and you're going to find goodness in people and you're going to find things about people. Um, even the people that you think are the worst, maybe um, you're going to discover some really beautiful and good and true uh, things about them. If you'll just take the time to look and, and observe them. So anyway, um, I don't know where I'm going with that other than to sort of, <laughs> Well, no, you know, no, I,
2: I, I can see what you're going with. That. I mean, there's, um, there's the the catholic idea of, of original sin it's like mm-hmm. when yeah. you are born you are a sinner and it's just like dude i've literally come out of my mom i've done nothing mm-hmm. Um, i <laughs> yeah. well, gotta dunk you as soon as they can yeah and, and i find that so sprinkled, so weird yeah, wrinkles, oh no no yeah. we got proper dunked uh um, oh you did, and, did you Ooh. yeah yeah island you get sort of like you know grabbed by your Achilles heel and put in the thing, or at least at, least at, at our local church. Um, and, and, and it was like, if you're starting off at some, you know, you're already starting off at negative points, what the hell is the point? It's yeah. It was so, so weird. I mean, Catholicism particularly, I find has, it, it, it's an incredibly negative worldview, and um mm-hmm. like spinning this off into a completely different way i i've suffered from chronic depression since i was 14 um mm. i have I, I i have always had this black dog at my shoulder and it's, yes. yeah. it's there and it's horrible and it's nasty but i still see this i still have this need to see this inherent good in everybody so where yeah. the hell would i want this religion on my back that's going well do you know what everybody's crap and you can't put up <laughs> with them and also the moment you pop out well guess what you're a sinner it's just like seriously mm-hmm. i've just been gestating for nine months leave me be for a while yeah you know, <laughs> I mean,
0: it odd, bums man. me out because like that's an understatement bums me out but <laughs> uh like that's not I, I we've seen that. I mean, Drew just mentioned it like the evangelical kind of, you know, temperature here in the States is very much like that. You mm-hmm. know, you were these lowly, sinful worms and woe is us and um, and all that kind of stuff. But it just it breaks my heart that even for myself, but I think for people like you and many, many others that that's the case, you know, it's never hope or it's never like, you know, yeah, really, that's the word is hope. Yeah, like that's never the thing that's <laughs> that's taught for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. We slipped into this thinking that oh, like fear—that's what will really bring people to their knees, or you know, like that's what'll indoctrinate yeah. them. Like, let's just instill them with crippling fear. Yeah, that'll. I, I
2: mean, work. how if you instill that into a group of children, like, what result are you expecting? Like the only the only thing I can think of is you are trying to instill an insane level of fear in children across the planet. So you can what? Just make them more amenable to what you want them to do? You just make them more passive and pliable. Why not Mm -hmm. take a more positive worldview? If I can do that despite my stupid brain chemistry, like why (laughs) can't everybody else? Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I'm getting kind of hit up here it's, I think that's what the show is. Well,
0: in the, the fear works initially, well, quote works, unquote, it Mm. works in the way that people fall into line, you know, for like in your story, you know, until you were 14, 15, it quote worked, unquote, Mm -hmm. like you fell into line for the most part. Mm. But at a certain point, we start to realize like, hey, this, this sucks. Like this isn't this isn't the way it should be, you know, maybe not all people. I mean, I think there are some people that, that stay in that fear based mindset for their entire life. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think for me, there was a, a big transition at some point. I couldn't even pinpoint when it was to like kind of break away from that. And there's actually this really interesting study. I listened to this. I don't listen to it super regularly, but there's this guy, um, named science Mike and he has a podcast um, called ask science Mike and Mm -hmm. he has a super interesting story, but he, he shared about this study that was done about people's brains that pray and the, you know, there's lots of different studies and lots of different circumstances and this kind of stuff, but he kind of summarized it and said, you know um, the people that prayed that were praying out of like a fear um that actually had negative effects on their brain chemistry. Um, They could see actual like negative impact from people that prayed that way. But he also said the people that prayed from a genuine sense of like love Mm. and hope, it actually showed growth in their brain. And Mm. I just thought that was super interesting. It's obviously like a very niche (laughs) kind of study and realm of like, you know, neuroscience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I wish that, that more people had that experience. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: cause I'm in this place right now, like I've got kids, uh, do you have kids,
2: Michael? Uh, no, none at all. Okay.
3: Um, so I've got three of them and our oldest daughter, like, um, you know, she's at that age now where we can have lots of conversations about, um, god and everything else so it's like i'm having to think through that like how am i going to frame this for her in a way that she understands that like that i i think that god loves her like period you know Mm -hmm. and that's that's my my position and you know not that we're not going to get into the stuff of of what's because i do think that there's some things that are wrong with us (laughs) as like human beings and and we need to work on those things um but but i uh, you know i want her to know that yeah, she doesn't have to perform to to get God to love her or fix all these things like it's you know, like that that's how I feel about her. Like I feel about about all my kids, I feel like there's nothing they could do that well, yeah, there's nothing <laughs> they could do. I mean, that would make me be like I'm going to stop pursuing you and I'm going to stop like being around and stop, you know, caring for you, um, and it's weird that sometimes the way we talk about God or, or religion and stuff, it's very conditional. Mm. Um,
2: I mean, I, I I think there is a big difference between religion and belief. Um, sure. And I, while I while I don't have any truck with you know an, an organized religion, um, and I, I'm not a a spiritual person in in any way, shape, or form. Um, I yeah. do, like I said, I, I do have that belief that people are, you know, people are on the whole good, you know, people are going to screw up, people make mistakes, yeah. people are going to hate. There's on an
3: optimism people. about, yeah. about the potential of people that you, that you kind of yeah. carry with. you.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm delighted that you drew are, you know, you, you are obviously, you know, you, you have a, a spiritual element to you, but you're not using that. In a uh, a terrorizing or, or fear inducing mm-hmm. way on your kids, you're doing it in a Trying. yeah you, you're trying you're trying to <laughs> put <step forward laughs> in a in a positive manner right um, and you know obviously we've had you know interactions back and forth on email and obviously've we've, we've, we've met at Gen Con and now we'll see our discussions here you know you don't strike me as a a, a horrible terrible person you know you strike me as a Yay. capital letters genuine good dude. So yeah. it, it it's interesting. I think we actually both have very similar worldviews. It's just that mm-hmm. um, you know, mine has you know, yours has some God sprinkles on the top of it, and mine has <laughs> mine is sort of like vanilla.
0: Some God's that's the quote of the podcast <laughs> yeah. right there. Can we put God that sprinkles. in the description? Yeah. Podcast. Uh, mine about has board games and God sprinkles.
3: Yeah, mine has God sprinkles and yours has uh, what, like atheist uh, <laughs> chips?
2: Atheist yeah, dust. Pe- Uh Pagan chips. That works. No, pagan, pagan chips. Pagan chips. <laughs> hey, I
0: have a. Uh, I have what I hope. I have what I hope is an interesting question hmm. because we probably have to start wrapping up. I guess, but, yeah. you know, thinking about the game, holding on. Uh, do you just call it holding on, or do you go through the whole thing? Holding on, um, the trouble life of it, Billy Kerr, or just holding on.
2: That's not so, the interesting
0: question, by the way.
2: <laughs> so at the minute, we call it. Um, we will generally call it holding on, um, okay. because it's the only holding on that there is. Uh, wow. However, you know, later down the line, if it if it is as successful as we as we hope it is, it, it's going to be. Um, then yeah, we will extend the title i like i always give it its full title when when i sit down with a group and like well you know hello i'm michael yeah, yeah. you're gonna play this is holding on the trouble life of billy care um just yeah. to sort of emphasize the fact that that's the whole thing but yeah most of the time we shorthand it to holding on
0: great so now that we've prefaced that um here's the actual interesting question so there i mean it sounds like there's kind of a group of people that were involved it sounded like four or five people that were kind of involved in yeah, pretty it. much. I yeah, don't know how much. many of them were involved in like the writing of the stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, given all this talk about like religion, you know, afterlife is a huge part for a lot of people when it comes to right. their religious beliefs. And so I guess I'm curious, like if anybody on the team, you know, has any kind of religious beliefs or any kind of spirituality stuff, did any of that get infused into the story? And I mean, if there's spoilers, obviously you can't share that but you know in this kind of gameplay where you're unpacking this this time with you know Billy the afterlife is a common theme for people when they're on their deathbed mm-hmm. um i guess i'm just curious if that ever came up or if there's any kind of stuff like that in the game or if it was intentionally left out for any reason like i don't know i guess i'm just curious i
2: mean we 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 did discuss it i mean uh, like i said i i generally handled the vast majority of the um, the mechanisms like making sure stuff worked and and yeah uh you know making sure that you know if if this happens then what happens after that uh Rory handled the the vast majority of the story you know there was some there was you know chunks of crossover between the pair of us um and i i think the story is very much in you know it is very much in Rory's mind and then when he started working with Glenn Patterson the script right um, who made an amazing film, by the way, called Good Vibrations, which I highly, highly recommend. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Which might give you some insights into the game as well. No spoilers. Um, it's <laughs> it, it it it's interesting. Like I I, I haven't spoken to Winnie, um, the, our, our graphic designer, or Bryn, the artist, about the the more sort of like spiritual elements. Of the game, I can tell you that they, we do dive into it a little bit in the game, um, because you know, people of a certain age from you know the the background of the the story where you know the, the background of Billy's story basically, they they will have sort of like you know, more likely to have that sort of like religious belief system to to sort of back them yeah. up. Um, I remember my my mom was on her deathbed uh, nine years ago. She had cancer. She was very, very, very ill indeed. Oh, wow. Um, recovered, which was fantastic, and she's still around today. Um, but that sort of like – that ramped her religious fervor up yet further because, you know – she she firmly yeah. believes that she got better because she prayed to God you know every single day and like yeah. nothing to do with the insanely fantastic work of the surgeons and nurses <laughs> and sure. blah 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 but yeah I definitely saw a big sort of like like turning the dial up to eleven um mm. and like the 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 belief that you that she would be in heaven, and we saw it again there when my grandmother died a couple of years ago um she of the insanely wonderful rambling stories, and she yeah the the whole afterlife thing it's it's in there, it's not in me, I don't think it's in rory um he's he's very. He he he's very atheistic in certain ways, but he's also he has, um, he has different beliefs. He he has he has a a a uniquely Rory belief system. That if you ever get yeah. the chance to talk to him about it, to, to to have him come on the show, um, I think he would be a delight yeah. to speak yes. to. Um, <laughs> Sounds like he's next. The next guest, <laughs> he'd, he'd be really good. Um, just don't get him started about puppets. He loves puppets. Um, <laughs> wow, that is really specific. Okay. <laughs> he's really good at them. Um, I
0: took a storytelling and
3: puppetry class in college. Oh, you so. will get yeah.
2: on like a house uh, on fire. Be you will I'm be gonna, I'm busy that week, Chris. You might as well forget it. You'll be all right. Yeah, It'll be a three hour puppet podcast, and you'll never get the end of it. <laughs> um a yeah. but yeah it's future um but yeah the yeah the afterlife thing is is a bit weird there's obviously you know brin in doing all the art all of the stuff that brin did is it's billy's life it's not like the troubled afterlife of billy kerr which we have had people True. say is that going to be a sequel no is yeah. the answer. <laughs> no it's not, <laughs> not going to be a troubled afterlife awful. expansion um oh. but yeah we, we certainly do touch on it um I, I think it would be foolish not to. Um, you know, there's not a lot mm. of of people of Billy's age who hold atheistic. Who don't beliefs. think about that? Yeah, right. You know, right. Th- there are a lot of you know. Th- th- I would say the vast majority of people will come the time, sort of like turn to you know turn to a something. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. for me, I just think it's it's the switch is off and lights out lights out and that's it you know one minute that you're there next minute the electrical impulses are gone and it's just a bag of meat mm. um which to a lot of people is is a horrifying prospect um i've got a, <laughs> i've got a pretty death positive attitude it's just a thing just be be the very best you can be as much as you can every yeah. day and when you're gone i, I sort of we're
3: running out of time here uh but i do want to ask mm. like because you talked to me about this a little bit before and the sort of a new term that's being thrown around, but what do you mean by death positive and like, how how did you
2: land there? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's it's not a uniquely Irish thing. Um, Mm -hmm. We, we have this thing, the wake. Uh, If somebody dies, it's essentially a massive freaking party. And there is a lot of drinking and there is um, a lot of, Talking crap about the now ex-person. And it's <laughs> yeah. it, in love. Yeah, definitely. It, it it is all done in love. It is not a it's 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 a chance to celebrate the person's life. And um God, it must be about what, 12 years ago now? Uh, a, a very good friend of mine. Uh I was living in Manchester at the time, a very good friend of mine called Brian, uh, Brian Glancy, uh, sadly took his own life whether it was by mm. uh he he overdosed on heroin whether he was you know he just made a, a a a stupid stupid mistake or we knew that he was going through a lot of bad stuff um so maybe yeah. he just thought that it was the only way out we could we we never really sort of like worked it out but and this is going to sound very very weird but the the night before his funeral we had people coming in from all over the place not just like from all over the city but like from all over the country from all over the world folks flew in from like australia from uh from israel from america from canada and Mm. i think that's where my my death positivity kicked in like it's it's not a time to be sad you know, yes, mm. mourn their passing. You're not going to have them, you know, kick down the door of the pub again and say, "Hey, let's all go drinking and dancing or whatever." But you you have everything that they left behind. You have all those good memories. You have everything. Celebrate them. Celebrate them every day. Yeah. And it's 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 the end of their life, yes, but think about all the good stuff they did think about all the cool things they did like brian left behind incredible music like beautiful records wonderful songs that i still Hmm. listen to now um and maybe you know in 30 40 50 however many years time that i've got left maybe one day somebody's going to pull a copy of of holding on off a shelf and they'll see that this is a thing that i got to leave behind Um, I think a lot of that is, is, you know, a lot of the reason I make stuff is because it's nice to be, it's nice to be remembered and I want to be remembered Mm. in, in a positive way. I don't want to be, I I don't want to be scared and crying when the time comes. I don't want to be like, you know, (laughs) screaming death, please don't take me. Um, Mm. right. I want to go to it knowing that I did my best and I want to go into it knowing that I did okay. And I left some cool stuff behind Yeah.
3: (laughs) No, I think that's a, I like that outlook. I appreciate the 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 optimism behind that outlook. I think there's a lot for you know whatever faith people come come from that are listening to this conversation can can gain from that. This is great, man. I really
2: appreciate you coming Thank on. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah. Thanks to both of you for for letting me come. Like any I'm on a podcast, it always turns out to be hey, this is longer than we expected. Um, because i <laughs> can't stop um but i really appreciate yeah. it. it it's it, obviously it's a very different kind of interview i don't get to talk about theological matters on podcasts a lot of the time but you know i'm i'm really appreciative <laughs> that i got yeah. to to chat about it and and uh, and and roll it into the coverage of the game we love talking about these things
3: and we find that people who come on the show it gives them a the space to talk about it and know where they're not going to be like Berated or anything, so uh, so yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we we're able to do that for you. Uh, so people should look for holding on. I know you said it will release in line with Essen. Mm-hmm. What about a release in the states?
2: Um, it will be coming out in the states pretty much that same week.
3: Okay, so it'll be available at the end of October, October twenty fifth, I believe you said.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, at the very latest, it should be in stores Deluge. like the first weekend of November. But we we wanted to very much make sure that there would be as little spoilery content out there as possible. Um, and with that, it was, yeah, the, the best way we could do it. I mean, we're working with Asmodee North America to get the game out there as much as we can. So uh, it uh, it should be cool, nice and easy to get.
0: And by stores, you're talking like local game stores? Local
2: game stores, um, f- online game stores, Amazon, whatever your, your, your choice of, of spending your money is. Oh, we'll be at BGG as well so people can pick up copies there.
3: Thanks so much for listening to Humans of Gaming. We lost Michael at the end of the call there and I lost Chris too and we just could not get the recording to work again. So I wanted to apologize about that. Uh, Technology sometimes fails us but uh, really enjoyed having Michael on. He was fantastic and I really literally can't wait to play Holding On. So be looking for that game to come out. Holding On, The Trouble Life of Billy Kerr, again, is the name, and it'll come out at the end of October, October 25th, to be exact. Uh, you can go to uh, wearehubgames.com to check out more about Hub Games and definitely be looking out for their next project after Holding On comes out. Um, I'm sure there'll be more to get excited about with them, so so check that out. You can follow Michael on Twitter at, at Michael. I-D-L-E, Michael, M-I-C-H, a E L. So I'm Drew 82 on Twitter. If you want to follow me, be sure to check out our other podcast that is Free Play Podcast. In fact, we did a Gen Con episode that I appear on uh, not too long ago. You could search back in the archives of, of Free Play and look for that Gen Con episode, and then you can hear sort of my first impressions of Holding On. If you want to hear more about kind of how I felt about the game, um, we talk about that on the show. So go check that one out. Free play is just, it's just a great show. They uh, uh, often have just really interesting discussions. It's super fun to listen to. They recently did an episode on, um, nonviolent video games. So, uh, that, that's a a really fun listen. So go check that out. Um, and, uh, be sure to check out lovethynerd.com, our website. We've got great reviews, features, uh, educational articles to help you understand the value of gaming and nerd culture. Um, So lots of cool stuff to be aware of. If you hear that cooing, that's my son. I'm holding my son, Thatcher. Uh, He's about 10 months old. But uh, anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, Be sure to follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Go search for our Facebook community. It's just called Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook. Come join our community and be a part of what's going on uh, at the great community of Love Thy Nerd. Uh, Consider helping us out. We're always looking for people to donate to Love Thy Nerd to help us keep doing the great projects that we're doing, like this podcast. Uh, We can't do this without your support. So just go to slash partner if you're interested in and in, yeah, in partnering with us on, our deep, on a deeper level. Thanks again. We'll talk to you. We'll, hear, uh, we'll be with you hopefully uh, next week. Thanks.